Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today you will hear a sermon from Pastor Dave Lee, so without further ado, here he is. Morning, Harvest. Welcome to our service, and uh, I'm so glad you're with us this morning. I hope you're all doing well. If you're a parent, you have kids, I'm sure your whole week was dominated by getting kids ready for back to school, and I'm using air quotes because most of the kids are going back to school from home, and I'm sure that's been stressful for everyone. Uh, we are praying for you, and we know that in spite of the challenges, uh, God is with us. This morning, I want to continue our short series on the life and ministry of Barnabas. And like I said last week, to tell the story of Barnabas is to talk about the ministry and the power of encouragement. And encouragement can come sometimes in the form of comfort and support, or encouragement can come in the form of challenge when a person needs to get moving and can't find the power to do that on their own. This morning, we're going to look at a story when the the life of Barnabas intersected with the life of the Apostle Paul. The man that we know as the Apostle Paul, the guy who planted at least 14 churches we know of directly, and he also raised up countless leaders who then went on to do lots of impactful ministry, the man who wrote half the New Testament, this man began his public life as one of the greatest enemies of the new and growing Christian movement. He was a persecutor of those who followed Jesus. And all of a sudden, he had an encounter with Jesus face-to-face after Jesus had risen from the grave, and it marked and changed him for the rest of his life. In an instant, Jesus flipped the Apostle Paul's polarity. He went from being one thing to being instantly something else right away. That's what we call conversion. Conversion is the instant change from one state of being to another. But even though conversion to Jesus might be instant, the adjustments in our lives aren't necessarily instant. There's a lot that has to happen after that moment when we become followers of Jesus. It's understandable that uh, Paul had a pretty rough start to his Christian journey. When you go from being enemy number one of the church to being an outspoken supporter of the church, it's understandable that people are going to be skeptical, uh, cast some doubts on your motives, wonder if you have any hidden agendas. The truth is that Paul opposed the church so strongly that it had cost many people their freedom and even their lives. A lot of Christians knew someone whom Paul and those he supported had really caused pain for. And, uh, you know, it's not an easy thing when you watch someone who was a symbol of so much danger and pain for you suddenly claim that he has come to your side and become one of you. Trusting Paul too quickly in this situation could have proven deadly. When we look at Acts 9.21, a a little bit um, early on from the text that Sue read for us this morning, we find Paul very shortly after his conversion. He's still in Damascus where he had gotten saved on the road there. And within just days of coming to Christ, he's already out there proclaiming the gospel. In in Acts 9.21, he's still in Damascus. Here's what it says. 
all who heard him were amazed. Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem? They asked, and didn't he come here to arrest them and take them in chains to the leading priests? You know, there are some people who are wired for extremes. Whatever they do, they do dialed up to 11. And Paul had taken the same zeal that he had applied to persecuting the Christians and had applied that same zeal to now proclaiming the gospel that he once was an enemy of. Such intensity really does make an impact, but it also makes enemies. And a lot of people were put off and threatened by what Paul was doing, and a death threat soon was leveled at him. And because of fear for his life um, and a plot to murder him, his supporters had him flee out of the city where he was. And from that place, he went to Jerusalem. Paul, the Christian hunter, had now become a hunted Christian. And it's interesting God allowed that. I think, we'll never know for sure, but I think in part God allowed him to go through that so that he could experientially feel the fear and the injustice and the stress that, that the persecution he'd once given others made them feel. He needed to understand not just that he had done something wrong, but to feel what it was like to be on the receiving end of that. And I believe that really broke something in Paul. By the time we get to Acts 9.26, Paul has entered Jerusalem, and he's walked a mile in their shoes. Listen to what it says. Uh, He had already been threatened. He had run for his life, persecuted, just as he'd once persecuted others. And now in verse 926, it says, When he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. So although he'd walked a mile in their shoes, the Christians in Jerusalem didn't welcome him into their community. It's really hard to trust a man who was once so committed to your suffering. And so it's understandable that as he enters He just cannot seem to break in. In fact, when you look at that word attempted, uh, he attempted to join the disciples, that word occurs in the imperfect tense. That suggests repeated ongoing action. It wasn't like Paul arrived in Jerusalem and said, hey, can I join you guys? He tried again and again and again to break into the community of Christians and they rejected his attempts again and again, holding him at arm's length. This picture kind of shows the, the, the image of a buffer zone of exclusion around Paul. And yes, it's understandable, but I'm sure for Paul, this was a very painful time in his life too. There's a term that sociologists use called liminal space. It's based on the Latin word limen, which means threshold, like that that bottom portion of a, a doorway where as you cross over, you go from being outside to inside or inside to outside. Liminal space describes the in-between place where a person is in transition and they are no longer what they were, so they are now outside, but they are not yet really what they're becoming. So they're not fully inside. They're inside and outside at the, at the same time, or maybe you could think of it this way. They're neither inside nor outside. They're in a strange 
in-between place. Liminal spaces are pretty common in life. Think about the summer between high school and college. If you go to college after high school, you're no longer in high school, but you haven't started life as a college student. What's that going to be like, right? How about that period at the end of all of your schooling and before your career takes off, where you're not yet begun your new job, and you know that a major shift is coming in your life? Or that strange period between engagement and your wedding, where you're still technically unmarried, uh, actually, technically, you're single still because you're not married, and yet you're about to be married, and you're not sure what that's going to be like. How about the, the first days at a new church or a new job where you don't know anybody and you're not sure what the experience is going to be like in this place? You know, these in-between liminal spaces in our lives can be very, very exciting times filled with anticipation but a lot of the time they could also be very anxious times filled with apprehension because there is a lot of uncertainty involved with being in these in-between places. And listen carefully. What happens to us, and maybe more importantly, who steps into our lives in these liminal spaces, in these in-between transition points in our lives? Like what happens to us and who steps into our life? can make a huge difference in shaping our story once we cross the threshold. At this point in the story, uh, Paul's life was on a pretty predictable pathway. It was like you saw how this was going to end and there were no surprises left. This deep change that had happened inside of Paul, he knew it was real, but no one else around him believed him. He would remain a very intense but outside or fringe member of the community. Maybe out of frustration or pain, he would go on to form his own competing community of disciples. You know, when you can't join them, beat them, right? And so probably that would be the likely outcome of Paul's life, is he would try to join the Christian community, and they would never quite fully trust him, and so he would stay at arm's length, and he would just do his own thing apart from everyone else. But then, in this boring story with a predictable ending, out of the blue comes a man named Barnabas, and he introduces a huge plot twist. Look at verse 27. But Barnabas. That's a big but. I mean, like, in the midst of this ho-hum story, you know exactly where it's going. Barnabas steps in, and that word but always means a change of direction. You thought it was going to go this way, but the story now changes. And it says, But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord, who spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So here's Paul's story just chugging along on a very predictable arc. And Barnabas breaks into his life and changes the whole direction. He does it by taking hold of Paul and bringing him to the community. He doesn't just say, like, you should go over there and try to break in. He literally takes Paul and says, I will vouch for you. When you enter the community, you will go as someone that I'm sponsoring, and I will vouch for you. You know, Barnabas risked a lot in doing this. He staked his whole reputation on linking himself to Paul and speaking up for him. 
He would forever be known as the man who brought Paul into our community. And if things went south, he would forever be the guy blamed for bringing this murderous traitor into our midst. I mean, what if this whole conversion was just an act? It was a plot by Paul to get on the inside and infiltrate the community so he could persecute even more people. That was a real, real danger that Paul posed. And Barnabas, by stepping in, risked a lot to stand up for Paul. That wasn't just blind faith or a roll of the dice. See, Barnabas gave specific reasons why he believed in and trusted Paul. He said that this man's testimony and his teaching really reveal that God is at work in his life. Everyone else knew Paul from a distance by reputation. They saw what they saw. And my guess is that Paul, even in his physical appearance, is probably a very intense guy. Maybe not the kind of guy you try to talk to if he sat next to you on an airplane. You probably take one look at him, you're like, too intense, dude. I, I'm going to just give this guy a pass. And while a lot of people knew about Paul and what he was like from a distance, Barnabas saw something because he looked and he listened. He took the time to get past the, the reputation and the past actions that Paul had had in his life. And he really listened to what Paul was saying and what was going on in him. And he could discern that in the midst of all of the static and noise, God was up to something in the life of Paul. And so he stood up and said, I know you guys have good reason to be afraid, but I'm going to speak up for this man and say, you need to welcome him in among us. You know, most of us have what, um, what is called personal power, some form of personal power. Maybe it's insider status within a group. And that doesn't mean you have to be particularly popular, but that you just happen to be a member of a group already. So you can imagine, for example, in an in-law situation, that you are a member of a family, and here comes a new person who's married into the family. You're an insider. They're an outsider. That's a form of personal power. Just by being a member of the inner group, you have power. Maybe it's a good reputation. Maybe it's access to people within a group who have influence or authority. Or maybe it's just experience or expertise. Maybe there's a lot that you need to know to navigate this situation or this group, and you already know a lot, and this new person knows nothing. Personal power, like any form of power, can either be enjoyed and used for ourselves or it could be shared for the encouragement and the building up of someone else's life. And when we use our personal power to step into someone else's story, we can change the entire direction of their life. Look at what verse 28 records for us. The result of Barnabas stepping up and vouching for Paul is that he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. This phrase, when going in and out among them, just simply means that he was now accepted and trusted so that he did not get challenged or doubted at every turn. He was able to move about them without suspicion because he had become a member of the community. That is a huge gift 
that we can give someone. Barnabas gave Paul the gift of his own standing in the community so that as a result, Paul was able to move freely among them. He was once on the outside looking in, and as a result of what Barnabas had done for Paul, Paul had now come in from the cold. Insider status, reputation, access, expertise or experience, these forms of personal power are things that God gives us to steward. And if we use them to encourage someone else, we can literally change the course of someone's life. If you've ever gone with a friend to a party or a gathering where you don't know anyone and they know everyone, you know what that feels like, right? How It's sort of like when you're married and you, your spouse wants to take you to their 25th high school reunion. And you're like, no, you're going to know everyone and I won't know anyone. I will have a terrible time there. And you know how that feels when you're the outsider. You're in a weird in-between place. And when an insider sees you, takes note of you, and rather than just enjoying their insider status, they walk across the room, take you by the hand, and they bring you in. Your whole experience of that gathering changes. It makes a massive difference if someone else sees you, and instead of saying, hey, look at that guy who's on the outside, look at that girl who's not yet part of us, and they cross the room and grab hold, and they stake their own standing by vouching for you, by inviting you in, including you. Do you know what power exists in that? And I'm not just describing human power, but it's very likely in those liminal in-between spaces that God is very much at work and interested in the life of that person. God is doing things because we are the most vulnerable, the most tender and teachable in those in-between transitional moments. And it's very likely that God is up to something. And when we use our personal power to step into another person's story and give them the gift of our insider status, our reputation, our access, our experience, and say, I don't want you to stay on the outside in the in-between. I want you to come in to where we are. We are often accelerating the timetable of what God is already doing in that person's life. And we could make a permanent difference and how their story unfolds beyond that point. Will you be like Barnabas? Last week we learned that Barnabas encouraged others by sharing so sacrificially of his material wealth. This week we see Barnabas encouraging others by sharing so sacrificially of his personal power. And that is something each of us can do even if we have no financial wealth, every one of us will find that in some setting, in some situation, we have a form of personal power that we can share. And when we do it, outsiders become insiders and strangers become family. It's interesting that there are so few songs in the Christian world about unity and community. We say it's important to us, but we have written almost no songs that teach or celebrate how God's love bonds us to one another. So I'm so thankful that this week, Audrey found a song, a really good one called, Oh, How Good It Is. And it was a bit of a more upbeat, fast song, but she recorded a, 
a really more reflective cover of that song. And she's going to sing that song for us in just a moment. And if you'd like to sing along, um, that, that'd be great. The lyrics will be posted. But I want to invite you also to consider just praying and letting the song minister to you. And as you pray, here are two things you might pray. If you're an outsider or in an in-between place, why not pray that God would raise up a Barnabas for you? And if you are an insider, why not pray that God would raise you up and send you to be a Barnabas to someone else? Imagine the life-changing difference we could make if we let God use us in that way and stewarded our personal power for the sake of another. So let's, let's respond to the Lord as Audrey leads us in the song, and then I'll be back in a moment to lead us in a benediction. At some point in each of our lives, we will find that we are on the outside or in an in-between place. We don't know where we belong, and we feel very alone. At other times in our lives, we will find that we are on the inside. And regardless of which position we take, God is at work in us. And so if you are on the outside, may God be kind to you and send you a Barnabas who will take you by the hand and invite you in. And if you are on the inside, May God send you to be a Barnabas to someone else, to give you eyes to see what they are going through and what they're feeling, and use that personal power to deeply encourage and change the life of another person. When we do this, we partner with God because God is wanting to encourage those He loves. So be available to God. Believe in God. Trust in God. And if you have power to share. Share it to encourage others. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, be blessed now and forever. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.